Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. We start our podcast this week with our masks on because even though we don't, I'm taking it off. We are uh, socially distanced, physically distanced in these things. It may look like we're close, but we're like more than six feet apart. Um, so this week we're going to be visiting with Mark. Uh, Matt and I are going to be doing that, and we're joined by Joseph Clam, who still has his mask on. He was our executive pastor, but Joseph's also on the board of trustees, the school board here for Spring Branch Independent School District. And so I invited Joseph to be a part of that conversation since he's really involved in all of that. So I'm really excited uh, that you're going to get to hear Mark and all of us just share some information uh, about all that's going on. Yeah. You know, I'm a pastor. Um, and I want to have church. <laughs> Joseph is with us today. You know, he's a pastor. He wants to have church, but he's also on school board. And I know that Joseph is getting hammered all over the place. Let's talk about gatherings. Let's talk about schools. Let's talk about church. You know, we talk about um, this is a really big thing now. And as I was texting you last week, it's really hard. I mean, I, I can say to people, well, we're going to hold off on church because we want to help businesses stay open. We want to help schools open. And people can go, okay, I get that. But once schools open, then people are going to go, well, hey, if schools are gathering, why can't we have church? Or if you're going to, I mean, we, if we start having funerals or you see them on TV of, of funerals or things like that, it's, it, it becomes a really difficult thing. And I think, as you and I have talked about before, you have to be able to manage within yeah. this pandemic right. rather than just shut everything down. What do you, what do you think about gatherings or let's just start with school. I know Joseph's going to have sure. a couple of questions. So, around you know, let me be clear. I'm an, I mean, and I've talked about this before. I'm an and person. I am not somebody in the camp of saying, you know, the answer is or you can't do, you know, which basically is a no, you can't do things. We need to figure out how to coexist with the virus, but we can't coexist well with the virus when it's at very high levels. And we've seen around the world, people are able to bring it down. Now it's always fits and starts and challenges whenever you start easing restrictions. I mean, that's just yeah. a given, right? Um, so, you know, one, first and foremost, masks to me should be mandatory. We should all be wearing them in all these settings, frankly, through, uh, uh, you know, the time where we start to see this virus significantly go down, probably with a vaccine. Maybe there's a time we can, bring that back down sooner if we really drive this down. But frankly, it's such a small sacrifice to make in most settings. I would urge that we use it in most, use them in most settings. Gatherings are really tough. So let's talk about, you know, less important gatherings. And this is where we have to have some societal discussion, right? I would argue that the most important thing for us societally is to educate our children right now and get our children back to school. Um, I don't think football, as much as I love watching football, is as important as getting our children back to school, for, an, for example. So when I hear UT, where I went, or Texas A&M talking about putting half full stadiums together, I shudder because that is just a recipe for real problems. And I think we're ending up doing things like that that are going to be at the expense of our children's education. So I think we societally have to have to prioritize. And I, for one, would argue that schools have to be the number one priority right now. So if we want to get back to school, I talked about some of the numbers, um, you know, that we need to get back to. I think that needs to be our principal goal. And I think most other areas of society, we should say, let's pause. Let's not do anything that advances. We don't retreat, 
but let's not do anything else that increases the, the connectivity of people while we're trying to get to a point where it's safe to open up schools. Um, you will have seen one of the school districts last night said it's going back in person this month. I completely disagree with that for a number of reasons. The first, I mean, the first of which for one school district to do that while everybody yeah. else doesn't do that is yeah. just wholly unfair. We should have a societal standard that we all agree to and figure out how to do this. So I'm concerned about kind of the, the direction that's been giving, which is, you know, we'll just make this decision school district by school district. Because the challenge with that is we're all so interconnected <laughs> What makes one school district able to do that versus another? And then when one goes, everybody else is like, well, heck, I might as well go. You know, it's sort of like the restaurant check. It's like, well, if we're splitting the restaurant check in 20 people, I might as well order more because I'm, you know, he's doing that over there. Um, you know, and, and you know, we, we, yeah, I mean, we've all been there, right? So we have to, we have, to have discipline around this. Um, because if we're at this kind of level, there's no way we're going to get schools back together safely and not have a big uptick in the virus. So, if we get to the levels low enough, though, I'm wholly in favor of getting kids back to school. It's number one priority. The American Academy of Pediatrics has been, go, go Google and look up their statement. It's really good. Um, in bold, it basically says we need to get back to in-person education mm -hmm. and all policies should be planned around that. But it says that after it says, but to get there, we have to be safe and have the virus in control and all, you know, figure out a lot of different things that need to happen at the schools. Um, so, you know, I strongly hope that we can get kids back to school kind of, you know, in-person learning, you know, somewhere around October. Um, I personally don't, certainly don't think it's an August time frame. And I think uh, just looking at the numbers, it's going to be challenging in September. So what I would say, societally, is let's set a goal of that and let's figure out how we work together and make the, make the sacrifices and watch that R and watch those numbers, bring those numbers down so we can get schools open safely. The little kids you know, are the ones who distance learn probably the worst, right? It's hard to teach a six-year-old through distance learning compared to a 15-year-old who does, you know, a lot more independent study and things like that. So we should be figuring out, in my mind, you know, how then do you start with some of the younger kids um, who may be more vulnerable and more issues, um, you know, with, with distance learning. Um, and, you know, thankfully the data around the world suggest at least that the younger kids don't communicate the virus as effectively as adults do or teen teenagers look just like adults. Um, now that's fuzzy data that could change, you know, when you talk about um, all the data that's out there, but at least it's suggested, which is good news because they're, you know, unlike the flu or honestly the first playbook for pan pandemic flu is shut all the schools because right. you look at a regular kids. flu season, most flu kind of gets disseminated through kids. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the way this virus appears to work, which um, is a good news in terms of getting kids back to school. Um, so hopefully that's where we can be. Um, that's what I would urge. I've talked to you know a number of school districts, private schools, others. Um, as I said, at the Texas Medical Center, we're trying to put some goals out there, not specifically around schools, but just, hey, Community, this is what we need to get to. These are the goals we need to seek out and work together to get to in terms of keeping this virus in control. Joseph? Yeah, I, I really appreciate um, this part of the conversation. There, there are a lot of differing uh, opinions, obviously, of uh, everyone will agree of the value and importance of getting kids back in person, um, but also looking, school systems have you know, it's not just the young kids or the teenagers. Or you have all your faculty and staff. And, and so kind of really prioritizing um, as a community that we're all doing our part to get things uh, back 
kind of in line with with what they need to be so that we can safely get kids back to school. There's, you know, you mentioned earlier the politis, the politis, politization, politization. Yeah, 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 the politics around around some of the language being used. Yeah. And it seems like the that now education has become one of the pawns in in, in the political realm, right, uh, of saying, you know, if you are for shutting down and keeping kids out of school, it's there, there are other more, more evil motives behind that. Right. And if you're about getting kids back into school, it's, you know, there's other motives around that. Um, right now we have a, a, a battle between state and County, uh, around education. Um, we have, uh, officials on the county side, uh, Dr. Shaw, you know, making recommendations. Do you know what factors and data there you, I mean, you've mentioned several of the data, but there's been kind of, kind of fuzziness around well, what yeah. contributing factors are, is the county looking at when they make orders across the board like that? Yeah, you know, obviously, let me let me start on the political side because, you know, whether you're talking masks or now whether you're talking the hot topic of schools, um, you know, the politicization of it. Hey, I got it out. Um, uh, you know, You're a doctor. That, that's a hard word. But, uh, you know, it has been so frustrating because, yeah. you know, again, like in most things, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pragmatic. You know, neither extreme end of the, that argument is probably correct, right? Um, and certainly, you know, what I would expect of our political leaders is unity. I would expect during a time like this, you know, which is like war, where we all have to come together and make yes. common sacrifice to, to do the right things, we should have those different groups working together to say, let's negotiate and come to a common agreement and understanding. And that, of course, is not what's been happening societally. It's not what's happened, you know, in many other things. Unfortunately, you know, having this virus happen in an election year was a lot worse than having it happen in a non-election right. year. And having it happen in a pres presidential election year where the stakes are so high couldn't have been worse timing. Um, you know, I'm just going to be be blunt because both parties have chosen sort of political angles to questions that oftentimes are much more clinical, medical, scientific as, you know, to the best of the, the understanding that's that's out there. Um, you know, and so what I really want is our county and city officials and our state officials to get together and say, this is what how we're going to agree to manage this and organize this. And unfortunately, you know, that hasn't been what happened. Um, I think what we heard from the governor now is that, you know, the city and county really don't have a say so over it. And it's a local school decision, a school district decision, you know, and, you know, the challenge with that is you're pulling the health officials out of it, right. you know, whether city or county there, you know, and yes, they're city county. So by definition, they're part of a, 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 a pub, you know, a public, but also a political arm of what we're doing. And now you're turning over to each and every school district. And as I said, so when one school district makes that decision and it's right next door to another school district that makes the other, how is that what we should be doing from a unification, from a unity purpose? Um, you know, as, a, as a, a community of Texans, a community of Houstonians, we should come to a consensus around the best and safest way to do this and then lock arms and have all of the school districts work together. May, you know, that may still be sequencing. It may be phasing. It may be one that says, hey, we'll volunteer to test some of this out first. But, you know, that's not what's happening now. And unfortunately, you know, I, I, it's problematic. Um, you know, it's very problematic. My prediction, you know, not maybe at a one school district level, but when you take a bunch of kids and you put them back in school with a virus level we see now, 
we run significant risk of seeing that almost on a dime go back out of control and you know being in a very challenging situation and then you have a high probability of shutting down the schools and shutting down the schools for a long period of time wow. it's one of those things to me if we can be a little patient and we can all focus on the goals of getting the virus down then we can do this in a more sustainable fashion now you know anybody who thinks we're going to open up schools without some fits and starts is, is obviously wrong. We will have a classroom outbreak. We will have a school outbreak. Um, you know, if you look at a school district, um, I know you, you mentioned you're on, you're on one of the school district uh, boards, you know, there will be an elementary school that has to shut down, you know, whatever, there will be some school that will have a challenge. There will be some parts. So most of the best back to school practices I'm hearing about and seeing about and discussing with school leaders, you know, cohort children. So you don't, have them running all over the school you put kids together you know in a setting with teachers and so if two kids end up positive there you may shut down a cohort but you don't have to shut down the whole school necessarily lots of activities like that there's smart things that can be done just as we've seen at the hospital when you understand how to manage things you can bring people to work and do that safely um, and care for people safely over you know long periods of time we can do the same thing in schools but it's going to require, you know, a lot of challenging, you know, dynamics and, and a lot of common, you know, purpose. Well, and I think that's that's what's important to recognize that when we talk about turning schools back on, we're not talking about starting the 2021 school year like we did the 1920. That it, it's not um, the big assemblies, the big uh, back to school nights with parents, that this is a different a right. different model. And so just like we learned in the hospital systems that, that there are certain things that you start to add filters and layers of protection that, that shift the numbers down. And, and so uh, that's where, I mean, I'm assuming that y you think that mask in, not just on campus in, in travel, but even within the classrooms are, are oh, a yes, smart absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, and you know, when I talk to some of my friends who are educators, you know, they say, even though some of the masking orders really, I think, started uh, thirdish grade or something like that. I don't remember the exact details, yeah. but, you know, what they say is I can take a six-year-old. And if I tell a six-year-old to wear a mask, the six-year-old is going to wear a mask. They're a lot easier than a 15-year-old, right? So, um, and so, absolutely, make it fun. Figure out the games around it. And it just is what we yeah. do. Yes, it's disruptive. But if we can protect those kids and, you know, protect the families they go home to and protect the teachers. I mean, remember, we're going to have, you know, we have a lot of teachers who are really scared about going back to work. Um, I, I mean, I will tell you when, you know, we sort of shut everything down and did just the, you know, the essential work. So we had a cadre of people who were coming to work every day and a whole bunch of people who stayed home, right? I mean, all these operations stopped. So all the operating room nurses, all the technicians there, you know, the mammography, I mean, all these different areas. And, you know, we had a lot of people scared to come back to work early on and we worked with them, we educated them. And, you know, we've shown that it can be done very, very safely, um, you know, throughout that time. Right now you're dealing with a lot of teachers who are understandably so saying, hold on a second, I'm 60 years old. I'm not at zero risk. And, I, you know, your kids may be most likely fine, but, but I'm not. And uh, I'm worried about that. And they have a very valid point. And so we have to find a way to protect each of them. We have to find a way to protect the children. I think it's very doable, but almost nothing is doable when the virus is, you know, in terms of advancing things forward, is, is, is doable when the virus is at the level mm. we're still seeing here. In the community. So we have to bring that down. Well, you keep talking about the virus at a level and, and we need to bring it down before we turn things on. So, yeah. and you may have said this and I, and I missed it, but for you then, what, what's that target? Yeah number 
I mean, yeah. for you, generally speaking, even if you were going to give a little grace up or down. Sure. So right now we're seeing about 2,000 cases diagnosed daily across the greater Houston area. Um, when we were in May and things were going pretty well as a whole bunch of stuff opened up pretty significantly and, and really did not cause a big uptick. The big uptick happened probably an accumulation of some of those things, but I think more so sort of, you know, the personal frustration and fatigue with, with quarantining and fatigue with other things. We weren't wearing masks when we should have. We're getting all sorts of conflicting messages. That's really when it upticked, um, you know, right with Memorial Day and going into summer. Um, so I still firmly believe you can't, we can advance things ultimately when the virus is at low levels if we all do our part. Now that takes 90 plus percent of people wearing their masks when they should be wearing their masks, for instance. Um, uh, so uh, I'd like to see, and what we're discussing across the Texas Medical Center, you'll probably see on a dashboard as an aspirational goal for the community to get this virus in control is probably somewhere on the order of 200 cases a day or so. Um, we were there, we'd been there before in May. Um, we were there for weeks at the end of April and first half of May, so it is doable. Um, but to do that, we have a lot of work to do as a community to get that wow. back down. And that's before, you would suggest those levels before we go back to in-person school? Most likely, yes. Or gatherings. You know, obviously, if the trajectory is really steep and we're getting close, you know, there may yeah. be some piloting and things that happen a little earlier than that. But, yeah, I think you're going to need to be in that range. Because we know from that range over the course of about two to three weeks, we had an explosion across the community up to, you know, peak of 26, 27, 2800 cases a day. And hospitals, you know, that were severely challenged, um, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, obviously all the, the, the impact uh, that is a result of that. We know that can happen very, very rapidly. You wake up one day, you start looking at the numbers going back, and you know that you've got, at best case, if you could, you know, dramatically change things that day on a dime, it's two weeks before you see the impact. So once you see that going up, okay. you know you've got two weeks and, you know, in about three, we probably went from, you know, 100-ish cases at Methodist, for instance, to 700. Uh, that was, you know, like that. And uh, that is an extreme challenge, as you can imagine. Wow. So you're saying it's achievable, but it sounds extremely ambitious. And I, I don't know, this year has not increased my confidence in humanity. humanity. Um, it, and <laughs> yeah, as a, I've as, been as a pastor, I believe I've said that a few times as well. So, yeah. I, I believe in redemption and I believe in salvation still to this day, but man, I'm telling you what, um, I don't know. The Presbyterians yeah, have this total depravity there, There's a few idea, people though. that need to do a little confessional around some yeah, of the community. I mean, right. so, yeah. so I guess the question is, yeah, the numbers are going down, but we're a long way from 200 cases a day. Yeah. I mean, if way. maybe even if it kept, and this is a really good trend, but it would still need to be a, a pretty good while before we got there to that number. I, so I think it's... Yeah, I think it's October, um, honestly. You know, so if you look at HISD, HISD decided to go, you know, virtual, what, in early September, uh, and then tentatively going in person in October. I think that should be our goal to try to get there. I think it's that's a challenging goal. I think anybody else looking much earlier than that, uh, it's going to be problematic. It's going to be really Yeah, well, you know, uh, you, you mentioned one district. I won't name them. They know who they are that's going back, and I don't even know that they're – requiring, requiring masking yeah. when they're in the classroom. So yeah, I don't know the details. I, I, I would I hope that I don't yeah. either. And I hope yeah. not, but I know here in spring branch ISD, which, which Joseph's on and he, you know, uh, 
their 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 plan was to start and give people the choice, and now I think you've delayed that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's but. it's beginning virtually um, in August, and which will be a different experience than most people experienced last year. And I think that's a part of the 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 conversation. Last spring, when schools shut down, um, every district did their very best to get some type of salvage something out of the spring. And so the online experience uh, varied from family to family, even within a district, but definitely varied from district to district. And I know every single district across the state, particularly in our, in our region have worked diligently to make sure that the online experience would be different this fall. Uh, But also recognizing that there's still different learning styles and different levels of, of risk aversion that, uh, that families uh, are, are really wanting. So the plan was then to have, have choice. Uh, and so we're, we're getting a, a mix of, of folks who desire the in-person experience and those who are, are kind of prepared to start at least with, with in-person. Uh, and that, that plan right now is ambitious with a September 8th after Labor Day uh, to begin the, the choice plan. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think it gets tricky is you can look zip code to zip code at some of the cases that are, that are coming. And we're, you know, compared to an HISD, uh, I mean, we're a, a dwarf, uh, we're dwarfed by them in their size, uh, but still have 35,000 students yeah. that are spread across different socioeconomic, different, uh, uh, just all different types of factors that, that all contribute, we know contribute. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to make sure that, that we can encourage our community to do the stuff now, because we're early August, do the stuff now that puts us in a position that we can do that uh, and fulfill uh, that educational promise that so many of our families do still want, which is that in-person experience, which I really appreciate, you know, the, uh, your, your opinion to, to, to take things like football into to consideration. Cause I know that that may not be a majority opinion for some in our state as to where football should rank, uh, in, in the education. educational experience, particularly when you get into college, uh, college yeah. football. Yeah. So, well, and, and again, you know, it, we're seeing it with baseball, right? They've found a way to play. Yep. So yeah. it's not that basketball. some of these universities, for example, or high schools for that matter, can't find a way to play safely. It's another issue to be watching in the stands. So, I mean, take, take, right. you know, professional sports, right? I mean, I've watched some baseball. It's a little weird watching the empty uh, stands, but at the end of the day, I'm watching baseball. It's a heck of a lot better than the alternative. Yeah. And even there, of course, we've seen some challenges, right? With a couple teams yeah. that have some outbreaks. And when you hear why they have outbreaks, it's probably personal behavior out, you know, off the field that, that's happening. Um, and then you go to the university level. I mean, I, I'm hearing these discussions about, you know, having, 50,000 people in a stadium. And I'm like, what planet are people discussing that on? Because I don't know how you possibly can put 50,000 people in a stadium and think that you're somehow going to have a safe event. And yet you could still have those football games and broadcast them. I mean, again, high school gets more challenging. I get all that. And obviously the athletic experience for our children, the arts experience for our children, and that's all part of education. There's no question. But, you know, call me a traditionalist, the most important part of our kids' education is, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? I mean, we need to get them education. And some of those other pieces we need to try very mightily to do, but some of them may have to take a little bit of a backseat 
just saying our kids need to be prepared intellectually for, you know, for their future success. Yeah, I, I leave tomorrow morning to drive my middle daughter up to college. She's going to be a freshman at Auburn University. And I've been really impressed with a lot of the things that they've put in place. Uh, and Alabama has a statewide mask order. But I was, I was shocked to see, I guess I shouldn't, it's SEC football, right? But, th- I mean, their plan is that they'll have uh, students in the stands, uh, but they'll be wearing masks. And, and I, I just thought it was was interesting that that's still as of the last announcement that was that was their plan yeah those those kinds of decisions concern me greatly right because i mean if we you know i've I've said kind of a million times in a bunch of settings i mean we need unity as a country to figure out some of these questions and have this good dialogue and debate and everything else we then need to figure out how to prioritize and we need to ultimately sacrifice on the social life side i mean the, our social lives to get you know those important purposes of an economy that's functioning in schools that are educating our children um have to be able to happen and i don't know how we get there without some individual and, and collective sacrifice some of that's wearing masks and the frustration of that a lot of that is cutting way back on social activities and thinking creatively and how to do them differently um sports are are, are a perfect example for that i i think major league baseball has done a pretty good job so far and they've mm. brought us you know Put away all the, the the fights in terms of the union and every, and the negotiations. But once they got playing, we've got some entertainment to watch and can watch that on TV. It beats the alternative. And there's got to be some ways, you know, that I can watch my Longhorns play, for instance. You know, that you don't have to have a stadium full of kids. You know, getting potentially getting each other sick. Mm-hmm. I mean, fifty thousand people together is a crazy idea in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark, uh, Matt, uh, I don't want to wind this up because I want to be faithful to your time. Matt Russell is actually going to go get on a call with the city council about rent advocating for additional rent relief for people in the community, which is good work. But I think you had one last question. Yeah, I, I've heard you say a couple times this, um, the the phrase about collective sacrifice, which I think is super important. And there's some, like the, the question John asked about particular numbers, those, those seem to be um, not opinion driven, but data driven for what we're seeing the best outcomes. And then I hear things about people's personal risk aversion. And those seem to run counter to each other. Uh, it seems that if, um, and I may be making this up, that if you were in charge of the world, in a sense that you would say, hey folks, we got to look at this number. You can, you, we, we need to grieve and to do all of our other stuff around this. But once we get this number at a good place and, and we collectively sacrifice, we can open up. But if we don't, really the, um, the consequences are going to be far greater if we don't do this. So it's not a draconian measure because we're trying to hurt folks. It's actually, if we don't do these things collectively as a society, um, we're going to be having these discussions and we're putting our children at far greater risk if we all just kind of decide what our own personal risk aversion is. Mm -hmm. And we make those decisions based on that. Is is that a correct way of framing that? Yeah, that's a very, very fair way to, fair way to say that. Look, you know, at the end of the day, None of us wanted this virus to happen. You know, I, I, I like it. I've told people before, I, I feel society like we, we, we seem to be acting like this is the Vietnam War instead of acting like it's World War II, right? right. World War II, we all had a common That's enemy. Really we good. got attacked. We said, let's go make yeah. the sacrifices and we'll do what we have to do. And we did it for four long years, yes. you know, plus some lead up and, and of course, mm-hmm. rebuilding and everything else. But, you know, the war itself lasted not quite four years, right, in, ter- in terms in, until VJ Day. 
Um, and even then there was wind down and lots of sacrifice after that that happened. In Vietnam, we couldn't decide, did we have an enemy? Why were we fighting? What were we doing? Who attacked, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, this is real clear cut. I mean, this virus attacks everybody and it doesn't care who you are, what you are, what you look like, where you're from, what country you're in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we have a common enemy. So we need to be bonding together as one people, um, you know, humankind basically say, let's fight this thing and let's fight this thing with unity. And we just haven't done that. And it's very difficult. Well, Mark, um, I'm going to let Matt scoot out of here and go get on his call that he needs to do. And uh, I want to let you go too. And I I really do hope you have a good uh, trip to, I'm actually going to Colorado the last week of August for my first little getaway that since this whole thing you know it's funny to me how everybody says well it's a pandemic you're not really doing much and i have found my uh, anxiety (laughs) and mental health uh probably i've always thought of myself very strong person in all those areas but i mean it really even good news when it comes like a daughter's engagement you just you just feel anxiety about everything um and so i can imagine uh, what all the people are going through. I, I hope that we can do it because I'm with you. I think um, getting our kids back in school, and that's what I've been telling folks to have patience with us on gathering and worship. You know, if the weather were a little cooler, we could go out. We have a huge backfield. We That'd could be great. draw yeah. circles in the ground and put it up, and we may do it anyway. I, I told someone that it was at last night at 830, it was a 100 degree heat index, <laughs> but they said they were re- ready to come sweat for Jesus. So uh, you know, it, it may not be a lot of people that that may be an option we have to look at for a while, because if we can do our part to help the schools open up, um, we can worship online and people may not be the same as being in present. But some of these kids uh, need to be in the classroom. My niece came this weekend for the engagement party, and she is a special ed starting her first job in Gwinnett County in Atlanta, which they're virtual all year. And she's explaining the difficulties of educating special needs students in in virtual means. It's almost impossible, especially for a speech therapist. And so, you know, whatever we can do, I think we all need to be ready to do it. And I just hope and pray we can. So thank you so much. Any, Any last parting word of wisdom from you? Uh, we've had a great talk here. Thanks for thanks for the time. Thanks to everybody. You know, we we still feel just tremendous palpable support from everybody and prayers and and, and support and donations and cookies and meals and you know thank yous and all of that means so much to our staff who are working so hard. As I said, we're thankfully a little slower now, so we're starting to figure out you know how to tap people on the shoulder and say go get a week or two off as yeah. um, it you know we know that. That they're still in it for a long marathon. So well, uh, I know you've got great, great chaplains and great doctors and great staff, and I just we appreciate all you do and all that all the hospitals do. We are fortunate to be in one of the best medical cities in the world. Amen to so. that. Hey, after after Hurricane Harvey, uh, I remember visiting. Uh, some of our church members up at Methodist and seeing everyone in a blue shirt with an outline of Texas that says, together we heal. We heal. Uh, And I just thought that was so phenomenal. And uh, I don't know if you have a, a round two shirt that's out there for your staff and employees, um, but the, the overwhelming sense I got from this call is it's not just even within the hospital. It's every aspect of our of our society uh, together. It, it, we heal. 
Uh, and I know we are in a world that desperately needs some healing. So thanks for today. Well, jo- Joseph is a longhorn too. I know the Aggies will hate it, but I'll put my horns yeah. up and say hook them just for you guys because you're so special. That's, that's just for the Aggies out there. <laughs> All right. No, oh, my. Oh, now I'm going to get hate yeah, mail. Talk right. about politicization. Thank you, Mark, so much. Take care. <laughs> Good to see everybody. Thanks so much. Right. Well, Mr. School Board. Yeah. You know. Um, we still recording? Oh, yeah, we keep recording oh, forever. Good. We debrief, although good. without Matt today because mm. he had to step out to do his call. But, um, wow, uh, something about this pandemic, just emotionally, it's uh, the, uh, the rise and fall of the numbers of cases matches the rise and fall of mental anguish. Mm. You know, you think, hey, school's going to start. That's great. And then you go oh, we really need to see the numbers in this area. And then you go, we're not anywhere close to the numbers in those areas. And it's just for people to be all over the map, you know, I mean, I, I, I guarantee you there'll be people that will, uh, some folks that'll say, man, I, I love Mark, it's great. And other people say he's biased or he's this, or they'll try to discount what he says. And I mean, I, I always tell people when they, Say, well, you know, Texas Medical Center, you know, they got their own agenda. I'm like, yeah, it's like keeping you safe. Next time something goes wrong with you, um, <laughs> where are you yeah. going to go? That's exactly You right. want to go down there, right? Yeah. It's difficult. And I don't envy you or school board or any school board um, these days. You know, it's, um, this is a hard, there's, there's no right answer. Uh, that uh, a single right answer that fits every system that fits every community there that fits um, every context. Uh, And that, that also means that there's no wrong answer. Um, There can be more wrong and more right. Um, The, the problem that we have is that a lot of this stuff is being made on the fly. So, you know, he talks about this, this kind of two week, he can see a, uh, there's some, these lagging indicators and these ad, all right, well, we've seen over the last couple of weeks these numbers come down on the dashboard that they have. Well, I I'm, I'm, can, can be hopeful that we're going to still see those trends go down. And at any given moment, you can have a, 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 a jump and a spike that, that throws everything off. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have, uh, we have an incredibly divided culture right now uh, about everything. Um, it's, it's easier to be divided and just remain divided than ever come to this middle ground. So this, this idea that Dr. Boom talked about where it'd been great if you had county, local city and state all getting on the same, on the same page and having this strategy and plan, it would have been great. We saw it when we had local, um, we had local, uh, orders put in place for masks and then we had state voice come in and say, no, you don't have the authority to come in and do that. And then, you know, we see numbers within the uh, state came and then the state comes ordered, back and says, no, ordered. you got to re- wear a mask. And, <laughs> and, and so, uh, and in fairness to everybody, you know, everybody, some people want to pick on yeah. the County judge or the governor or whatever, you know, it's like, Everyone's talking, in it. this is yeah. a, this is not like anything we've ever that's faced right. before. No, and that's so right. the decision you make in, in March or in, in April or in May or in June, you know, based on what you know that's in front of you. And so it does change. I don't, I don't have any people who attack people because they change their position. I don't understand that in our society, because if 
that ought to be a noble and wonderful thing that you're willing to say, you know, uh, I mean, even Mark said early on, said, you know, I'm not a big fan of masks because people touch it and then they touch their face. Well, even the CDC said that early on. Then they said, all right, this thing's getting out of control. It's worth the, that, that potential risk. It's better to have the yeah. mask than not. So they've all come along uh, on this. And, you know, we've just got to be willing to say, yeah, we changed our mind. We thought we were going to start August 17th or 10th or whatever it was, we're not going to do that. We thought we were going to come back on September 8th. We may need to wait a little longer. I don't know um, what it'll look like. And I know it's, it's really hard for people um, mentally, psychologically, spiritually, and we are living uh, life in separation. One thing I know about relationships is when you are separated from people, when you are removed from relationships, there's more suspicion that grows. If you think about ever having a long-distance relationship, all of our relationships these days are long-distance relationships, even if we are in the same city. We're living distanced from one another. And so suspicion arises, doubt arises, uh, assumptions arise, all these things, because we're not sitting there in a room in community with one another, Mm -hmm. dialoguing, giving, and taking. And I find that whenever someone is mad about something or questioning, if I can ever have that phone call or that sit down or whatever it is, not email and text, right? A real living conversation. Then we're able to at least go, you know what? Okay, I don't agree with everything, but I get it. And they're in a much different place than when we relate long distance. And that is um, not going to fix itself unless all of us understand that. That's the difficulty. And I think we, we can't uh, overestimate um, the power of trauma um, and, and like the, how widespread it is. I mean, there's, it, it seems as if everyone is living through this, uh, this season differently at different levels of, of traumatic experience. And so I've had conversations with individuals that have talked about the uncertainty about school starting has, has their kids and themselves as parents in tears on a regular, regular basis. And you start to process and realize, well, that's, it's almost like there's constant PTSD every time that there's a, a discussion about the, it's, it's not going to happen when you think it's going to happen. It, it, it slaps you back in the face and it's like a gut punch when you're like, I thought I, I thought I knew what we were going to be doing. Um, and, and so I think so many folks long for the certainty of, well, well what date are we going to be back at church? Like, well, we want to know the date and, and, and you know, the, the reluctance to put out the date because there's so much that could happen between now and that date. Well, we put that, out a date yeah, and then right. we had to not and do then we had the to date. pull back the date and, well, yeah, it's I, constant I'll tell trauma. you one thing that really blessed me this week, um, and my daughter, one of my young Maddie got to be a part of this. We got an email uh, from a mom whose kid is going off to college. And, you know, this spring we didn't get to do Senior Sunday and Graduate Sunday and celebration with the luncheon and them yeah. all coming in back. Well, we didn't get to do that. And then a lot, that, a lot of them didn't get to do their graduation or had to do it removed or it's been very disruptive, but I got an email from a mom and, and our youth staff and others went to the homes of those who were going off to college yeah. with not only a, a gift bag and some stuff for them, but then just, you know, distanced wise had a prayer with them. And, you know, one mom was just like, 
I know we've missed so much, but this was so meaningful. And there you again, you're reducing the long distance relationship. Right. If we can figure out how to do that, I think we can make it, but we, we've got to work hard. Yeah. Pastor uh, Sarah Barnett uh, was at our place on Sunday afternoon with yeah. with your daughter, uh, yes, blessing yes. blessing our family, in particular my my Madeline. And let me tell you, they came in, they had mask on, they removed uh, they removed the barrier of doing something online by coming into the house, not touching anything, but just being present. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was incredibly powerful and. For me, that's when I when I see things that well, look, God is still at work. Uh, God is at work, and and things are blossoming, and we can see things that like that's we're going to keep that uh, because as a as a parent, it was incredibly meaningful. Well, I'm John Stevens. I'm Joseph Clam, and this is Pod Have Mercy.